Good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day, guys. It's such a great day to be together to celebrate uh, what it means to be a dad, but more importantly, to celebrate Jesus Christ. I was at uh, Southern Baptist Convention this past week up in Nashville, and uh, I, I'd been to Nashville before, but I hadn't really paid much attention, hadn't spent much time there. Learned a couple of things. First of all, country music has really changed. It doesn't feel like country anymore. I'm not sure those guys are really country. There aren't very many pickup trucks in Nashville. I'll say that. But one of the things that I noticed as just moving around, eating downtown, they had the conference downtown at, at uh, the country music, whatever. Um, Nashville's kind of become a party place. I'm, uh, Broadway Street, as you go down Broadway, it feels just like Bourbon Street without the porn. I mean, seriously. People are three and four deep, hard party. And I'm not talking about drinking a beer with a buddy, fishing, or having a glass of wine with your wife at dinner. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of drinking. I'm talking about hardcore party drink. There's one tractor coming down the middle of the street, a tractor pulling a trailer. So maybe they are still country. Tractors pulling a trailer and with a front-end loader, and the front-end loader says, let's get plowed. And that's exactly what they were doing in the trailer. They were getting plowed. And there were a lot of people getting plowed. And so I'm struggling to find a parking place. I'm driving around. I'm watching all of this. And my heart's just like hurting. Is this America? Is this what we really look like? Is this what we're really about? Next thing you know, 30 minutes later, I'm sitting in a room with 10,000 pastors from all across the nation. Michael W. Smith is leading us in worship. And man, he's singing these incredible songs and C.C. Winans is up there with him, and she's leading in worship, and it's, it's amazing. I can't even sing, because I'm looking around this room, and I, my, I'm just going, there's such a disconnect between what was going on in that room and what I'd just seen going on in the world. And I was like, are we really even on the same page? Are, are we even aware you know, one of the guys stood up that was speaking at the conference, and he said, the whole world has its eyes on the Southern Baptist Convention. And I thought, no, they don't. They don't even care about us. They're not even thinking about us. They don't even, they don't even pay any attention whatsoever to us until we do something dumb, and then they splash it all over the headlines to reaffirm their prejudice or whatever. And, and I'm sitting there going, God, have I wasted my life? I mean, literally, have we made any difference at all? Because the, the way the world is living is totally different than what God's will would be for their life. And people are destroying their lives all over the place. And my heart's just heavy. I can't even sing. I'm not even singing with Michael W. Smith. I'm just standing there. Um, and it just felt so surreal. Is this what church is? Is it something totally different than what what's really happening in the world. Then Tony Evans spoke. Have y'all heard Tony Evans? My goodness. Please go to YouTube and listen to his sermon on race. It was the best sermon I've ever heard on race. He compared it to a football game, and he said, you know, there's three, there's three groups of people on a football field. There's the home team, the visiting team, and the referees. And he said the church is the referees. We don't wear the jersey but we have a different authority. He said, those, those football players, they have, a, they have a power called dunamis. It's power. They can knock you down and they can run over you. He said, but those referees have a different kind of power. It's called authority. It's exousia. And it's the authority to take you out of the game. Their job is to referee, not to wear the jersey. And so he sort of unpacks that as the church has become so consumed with playing the game and politics and all that. And I'm getting all that feedback from this convention that I'm at. And then Tony says something that really helps me. It lightens my heart. He said, right now what we're doing is we're like a team on the field and we're in the huddle. And this is a huddle. He said, but people don't pay $100 to watch a team huddle. You got to break the huddle and you got to play the game. And suddenly that all sort of came back to me. It's okay for me to be in a room with 10,000 other pastors singing songs about Jesus. As long as we break the huddle, as long as we realize our ministry is not in here, it's out there. And our ability to influence and impact people is not in here, it's out there. 
And let me say something. As I was thinking about what we're going to do here today, and as I was thinking about it being Father's Day, it starts with the men. It starts with the men. God said that the husband is the head of every wife. He's the spiritual leader in the home. And let me say something, men. The one thing that women want most in their husbands is a spiritual leader. They are looking for a spiritual leader. They long for a spiritual leader. And I come back around to this church and what I've seen go on in this church, and I think that's the very thing that's happening in this church, that the men are through playing games. They're tired of playing church, and they have become serious about the gospel, so serious that they're not just going to talk about it in this room, but they're going to carry it with them wherever they go. And as a result of that, lives are being changed. They're living out Deuteronomy 6. Listen to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is alone, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk, to, talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's our calling. Our, you know, and, and that's all I want to do. For the rest of my life. That's all I want to do. I, I mean, and that's what's happening here. Men are taking the lead. You know, I'm, I'm watching these people on this tractor, let's get plowed, and I'm thinking, what in the world can we do to get them off that tractor? And I thought, I probably can't get them off that tractor, but I can be there when they fall off, because they're going to fall off that tractor. And that's what's happening in this church. Our men got serious about Jesus, and our women got serious about Jesus because they saw what was happening in the lives of their men. And when that happened, we started picking up the people that are falling off the Let's Get Plowed tractor, and lives are being changed. I, I looked this up. Did you know that since March the 21st, we have baptized in this church 75 people since March 21st? Now, now here's what's cool. Here's what's cool and you may miss. Almost all of those, we baptized a child today and we baptized some kids and that's great, that's awesome. But almost all of those baptisms are grown adults. Of men and women falling off the let's get plowed wagon whose lives have been broken but somebody has brought the gospel with them right into the marketplace, right where they live. They've got the gospel on the front of their head and the, and the front of their hands, and they're bringing it to every aspect of their life. And when the gospel comes to bear, we make a difference. But if we leave the gospel in here, no difference. And so I'm so excited today because I see our men. I see our men making a difference, and they've made a difference in me. You're making a difference in me too. And part of that difference is seen through the lives of our deacons. And the deacons are really leading out in this. And you guys don't get the benefit of being in a deacons meeting, but it's an awesome place. They're sharing their testimonies with each other. They're talking about how they can serve other people. It's an amazing thing. I, I think back of, of that great line in Band of Brothers. You know, Dick Winters was a true hero. He... he he parachuted into Normandy. He took out a German gun emplacement. He got the Distinguished Service Cross, which is the second highest award. He's a genuine hero, but he was always sort of self-deprecating and deflective when it came to that kind of talk. And he, he makes that quote, a, a, a little boy was talking to his granddad, and he said, Granddad, were you a hero in the war? war? He sighed and shook his head, no, but I served in the company of heroes. And I think that when I think of our deacons. Are you a hero? Not really, but I serve in the company of heroes. Because these are men who are true servants. The Bible says if anyone would be the first, let him be the last. He said the greatest is the servant of all. And that's what our deacons do. They serve. They serve you. They serve me. They serve this world. And we're going to set aside six of those today. Somebody said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any, any day. And isn't that true? Don't you get tired of guys like me going on and on? So I'm going to get out of here, and you're going to hear the story of six of our men 
that God has radically impacted for the, for the gospel of Jesus Christ who are making a difference in the kingdom right now and God has called them apart, set them apart to be deacons in our church and we're going to ordain six guys and they're going to come and give their testimonies and we said five minutes guys. You know, when they go to a retreat, it's an hour, okay? That would take six hours. So, but I want, them to, I want you to hear their story because that's where the power is. And, and our deacons that we're going to ordain today are Dusty Powell, his wife Erin, um, Dylan Bashirs, our Bastrop, um, and his wife Mary, Mary Beth, uh, John Gimber, his wife Megan, Sam Jones, his wife Emily, Johnny Phillips, his wife Katie, and Jake Stevens and his wife Anna. And so we're going to start out with Dusty Powell, and then after that, Dylan will come up. So, Dusty, why don't you come up and lead us off? Let me pray over these guys before we do this. Father, I pray for these men. Um, it's a scary thing to give your testimony in front of the church, not so much in front of the world these days, but um, it's a little different in here. It's a little feels a little more formal, and so I just pray you'd give them peace. But more than anything, what you're doing in their life would come through. The stories we've heard them share uh, that, that the community of faith would hear so that we would be strengthened and encouraged and realize what you're doing in the lives of people. And I thank you for these godly men. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Dusty Powell. My wife and I have been attending North Monroe for about 14 years now. We began attending when we were in college at ULM. I got to say, this feels a little bit, a little bit different than uh, how I'm used to. Usually, got a guitar or something like that. So, uh, being on a mic is a different story. Um, but how I was raised, I was raised in a Christian home. We were the family. Who was at church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, any other time that the doors just happened to be open. My dad and I mowed the grass. We cleaned the church before services. I knew every secret little hideout, every nook and cranny of that church. It's First Baptist Church, Sherlington. Uh, I knew all the Bible stories. I knew all the songs, illustrations about the Bible. It wasn't until I was 12 years old at a summer camp that I truly accepted Jesus Christ and decided to have a relationship with him and live my life devoted to him. About the same time, my brother Ryan pushed me to learn the bass guitar since uh, we were needing one for our worship band at the First Baptist Church in Sterlington and for his punk rock band, Starvin' Marvin. <laughs> yeah. uh, this began a love of music and a love of worship of our Father in Heaven through music. God gave me a passion for worship as a way of expressing what he was doing in my life. God used my being in a worship band to draw me near to himself, and he put others with the same desires in my life. In high school, I remember clinging to Matthew 28:20. In the Great Commission, when Jesus says, Behold, I am with you, even until the ends of the earth. And I remembered this verse when making decisions to follow Jesus, even when it felt unpopular or lonely. He was constantly showing me how to desire him over what the world can offer. In college, God brought me to the ULMBCM and the Haven Band. It was here that I met my wife, the sweetest, most faithful, and honest woman that I know. She claims that I wooed her with my guitar, but to this day, I don't really think that she even knows what the bass guitar sounds like. God has also given us three beautiful children, Emery, Desmond, and Samson, and each one created amazingly unique. God was always pulling us towards helping children, even when we were dating. Aaron was tutoring at the Louisiana Baptist Children's Home, and I was helping and playing music for middle schoolers at Cedar Crest Baptist Church. We always talked about the possibility of adoption later on in life, and after our first two children, God pressed on us that if we could help a child, how could we not? In March 2018, God answered our prayers to the adoption of my youngest son, Sam, from Nanyang, China. We had amazing support from our life group and this church. This sparked a desire in us to help other adoptive and foster families in our community. We partnered with another family, Anthony and Ann Bartley, that inspired us to come alongside them in their work with foster families in our area through Project 2.5 Plus. Our church, opened the door to, our church opened the door to a new home for this ministry that helps foster families by providing clothing and resources. It is our prayer that every child who shops the closet has a positive experience within our church and feels the love of Jesus Christ. It is amazing to see God's provision for those foster families. The same verse that helped us through our adoption rings true with his provision in the foster closet. 
Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is, at church, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Just the other day, a family got a sibling placement and reached out to the church needing a double stroller that just so happened to have been donated the day before. Over and over, we have seen needs being met like this with God's perfect timing. I love seeing firsthand the body of Christ using what God has given to fulfill his mission even more than we can imagine. I always thought that my story was nothing special and just kind of simple, but my testimony is about the blessings of the God through the faithfulness of other Christians that he has put in my life to teach and influence me from childhood until now. From the youth ministers when I was younger that helped me go deeper with my walk with Christ to friends that decided that living for Jesus was greater than anything the world had to offer band members that showed up week after week only because they loved leading people to the throne room of heaven, Sunday school teachers that poured the word of God tirelessly into some weird punk rock kid, and parents who taught me through the way they lived how to love others more than myself and how to serve the church and the community with a smile on my face and love of God in my heart. It has been an honor to be a part of this church and to be a part of the worship team every week to worship God together with all of y'all. I love what God is doing in our church, and now I'm excited to be able to have the opportunity to serve our church as a deacon. Thank you. Uh, Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. Away from the presence of the Lord he went. My story is not Jonah's. Uh, it does have the same hero, though, and that's God. My story started like a lot of people who grew up in the Bible Belt. Uh, I was raised in church. Every time the doors were open, my parents had me there. Uh, it led to me being saved at a young age of six at church camp. My eternity was secure and I knew Jesus had done everything for me. He had died on the cross for me. Uh, I was good. I knew I was supposed to pray. I knew I was supposed to read my Bible. I even knew I was supposed to serve in the church. A big problem I had, though, at a, an early age, I began to pray and ask God for things. More like a genie than a loving God. And I began to get upset with God when my wishes weren't being granted through my prayers. Because that was my understanding of prayer. I ask God, he gives me what I want, we're good. But that's not how things work. Um, as I got older, up into high school, things in my life that had always been solid, things that I could always count on, uh, got really shaky. Things weren't what they were. God wasn't doing what he was doing. And, and that began to grow some resentment towards God in my life. Uh, I didn't... Uh, I didn't understand why God wasn't giving me what I wanted and what I expected in life. Who did he think he was not giving me what I thought I deserved? Who did he think he was not giving me what I wanted? The resentment didn't make me hate God. It did make me angry with him. When I got to college, uh, I finally had the freedom to not go to church uh, because then I was making my own excuses and my own justifications for my actions. Uh, I knew I was supposed to be there, but I always came up with an excuse or created a justification for why I wasn't going. Uh, but the reality was I was just mad at God uh, for not giving me what I wanted and what I thought I needed. But as you can see, I wasn't really running, right, because that's not what I do. Um, but I wasn't running away. I was just hiding. As much as I could, I was hiding. I hid from his people. I hid from his church. I hid from his word. His music, everything that I could, I hid from because that's what I thought was best. Uh, one day, because this is kind of how college works, that running led me to some other college students who had a lot of shared interests with. Um, they like sports, I like sports. They like video games, I like video games. They like to stay up late and not go to class the next day, and so did I. Um, and the thing that we didn't have in common, though, is they were heavily involved at the BCM, at ULM. They were heavily involved and chased Jesus with everything that they had. But I didn't. Uh, but I had a group of friends that cared about me, so I thought I could just ignore that for a while. After they 
invited me to Bible study after Bible study and worship after worship. Eventually, I just started going because it was easier to say, okay, let's go, and I'll just sit there and be quiet than it is to say no. Once I was back with believers uh, being held accountable for um, my actions and the things that I said and the things that I did, this, this switch kind of flipped in my life and, and changed my perspective, and I realized that although God doesn't require anything of us, he calls us to give him our life here on earth. And that led me to start looking for ways to give myself to him. That led me to change my perspective completely. God eventually provided me with more than I could ask for, more than I could have ever planned for myself. He gave me a purpose. He gave me a place. He gave me a wife and two kids, uh, a family. He had bigger and better plans than I ever could have imagined for myself. When I was hiding, he knew what he was doing. I'm now a husband, a father, a coach, and a teacher. I'm showing Christ in all of these roles because that's what I'm supposed to do, is show Christ to the world. I'm so thankful for North Monroe, and I'm excited and ready to continue to serve the church as a deacon at North Church Bastrop. Thank you. Good morning, church. My name is John Gimber. For those that don't know me, and I normally don't dress like this, I think Daniel kind of used that as a joke to see if I would wear a suit today, and so I owe you one, Cassis. But uh, for those that don't know me, I'm John Gimber, married to my beautiful wife, Megan, for almost 18 years now. We have two children, Garrett, 12, and Holosan, 9. I really can't remember a time where I didn't know who Christ was. I was very blessed growing up with parents that took me to church and church events regularly, taught me Christian values and hard work. For years, though, my life became filled with symptoms of a selfish person that seemed to be trying to be his own deity. Uh, several commandments Britain, broken, sins of the flesh, sins of the mind, sins against others. But mostly concealable, though, so I thought if others weren't seeing my sins, I was probably still good. Then I realized that because of my sin, I was separated from God. and There wasn't anything I could do to ever earn that back. I was a sinner, and not a single thing possible for me to rectify that without God's grace through Christ. I realized much later in life that even when I was a mess, I was still created in God's image. And although he still loved me, he didn't love what I was doing. This is a key to any relationship. That unconditional love from God was still there when I was a wretched mess and wasn't showing any interest in seeking Christ, much less forming a relationship with him. As Paul's letter to the Ephesians says, I realized my salvation was only possible through God's grace. It was truly time for me to know God and become known by God. Eternally thankful, I submitted to Christ then almost 20 years ago uh, when Megan and I were just engaged. From then, I've yearned for more of an understanding of the God that made me in his image and would give his son for me. After that, our lives started to change in almost every way as we reached out for Jesus. And I've received countless blessings along the way in response to obedience to God. Friends, careers, awesome church, health, homes, and probably first on the list is two great children that we didn't know we'd ever be able to have. And as undeserving of a life that I've chosen to live at times, there are still blessings revealed to me almost daily uh, to show that God has a plan for me on this earth. Several years ago, I attended a Acts men's retreat, and this weekend gave me an opportunity to unplug and just spend time with the Lord, questioning myself on where I was, what I was doing, and what impact I was leaving on the kingdom. These reflections left me knowing how selfish I was being with those things that God had given me through his favor. I started making some adjustments on how to lead my family and making God first priority in all, I'm going to say that loud, all that we did. Romans 8.28 says, in all things, God works for those who love him. And so I researched that and looked it up and studied that from the original language in the Hebrew, and that all translates to all. This was my new motivation and my anchor. I began to put God in all that I did. And because of the spirit moving in me that weekend, I came away with a renewed direction in my life. I left there with the beginning of some great relationships that would help protect, shelter, and develop me since that time. A few years ago, after praying and searching for a better connection with a Christian community for us and our family, my wife and I, we started attending North Monroe. We were searching for three legs that would anchor our practicing faith. 
I want to tell you a little bit about each of those. One of those is worship. The next one is community. And the last one was service. And worship would be through music, teaching, and preaching. And what a blessing we have, all of us have each week as we, uh, North Monroe has that on such a great level. We are truly enriched every time we walk in here with such a great group of worshipers. And community. Uh, our community here has out, been outstanding, starting with those that are closest, that keep me, Megan and I motivated and accountable. But this community has surrounded us even before we walked through the doors. And I know it's because the Spirit is so alive in this church body, always leading them on how they can reach towards others, even when those like me are in the most need and don't even truly know how to ask. I realize this community that was surrounding us through the tragedy of losing a brother uh, it was through that loss that God showed us by sending these guys, taken away from their times and families, to come pray with me and my family at a time when we didn't even know what to pray for or how. I'm not exactly sure what was so cloudy in my view during this search, but through this, we realized that that community Meg and I were searching for was already being formed. God showed us that new level of community, one of care and compassion for others, one of sacrifice for others, in a community that truly reaches out and helps those in need. We've been so blessed by this community. And we've become more and more engaged in this church. The bonds of that group have been the strength that have held us up times, and it, it seems almost unmeasurable. We've also been blessed by other community ministries at this that I participate less in, like the youth and the children ministries that give my kids a place to feel welcome, loved, and ultimately help, help lead my children to Christ. I can never thank you for that enough. One, one little off script, Kenneth, just this morning, my little hoss hand said, Jesus is the Lord of her life. So what a great Father's Day gift. <laughs> Woo. Uh, and finally, service, which is the pillar of why I'm talking to you guys today and addressing the church. As my faith sanctifies, I continue to study the word and try to align myself more with who, what, and where God wants me to be. And one of the most tugging aspects lately has been uh, to serve. We've served through men's ministry, sometimes through teaching, the marriage ministry, and now through the deacons of this great body of believers. This was an extremely tough evaluation for me when asked because several of these men are the closest in my personal community, the ones I look to as brothers, accountability friends, leaders, and just daily life. The first ones I call when I'm struggling or worried about anything of importance. And the ones that call to check in on me and my family as we walk through this life on earth. I study the Bible with them, I learn from them, I pray with them, and I work to glow closer to God with them. As these friendships developed, I found myself more and more on my knees praying to God to mold me more like these men. These servants for God that I've been so blessed to call friends. Prayers to keep me connected with those seeking a place in God's kingdom daily and forever. In Mark 10:43, those Jesus was teaching was asking him how they could have more of a place of honor with him, next to him, next to the throne. And Jesus tells them and ultimately us that before we can get near that glorious throne, we must first be a servant. I'm truly honored to have been chosen by God in this body to serve North Monroe through the deacon body and we'll continue to pray and work to the best I know how to uphold the responsibility with this great group of men. I want to thank you to the church leadership and staff for continuing to build a place where sinners, just like me, can reach towards God without the fear and judgment of my shortfalls. I want to thank this church for boldly offering a vulnerable place to worship, commune, and serve with others in spite of not being perfect and not having to act that way. And I'd like to thank you for this group of men that I've prayed with, talked with, and will serve with to keep North Monroe a place that serves Jesus and always searches for ways to grow with him more. Thank you. All right, good morning feel great going after the guy in a suit, so thanks, Kimber. Appreciate it. <laughs> I was nervous, and now I'm not wearing a suit. You know, I feel bad. All right. Um, sorry, if you don't know me, my name is Sam Jones, uh, married to my wonderful wife, Emily, uh, for 10 years in July, and uh, we've been going to North Road for about five and a half years, and it feels like we've been here uh, for a lifetime, and we're so blessed to be here. We love this church. 
Um, I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, where I attended Parkview Baptist Church. Um, I accepted Christ and was baptized at a young age. I've been blessed with parents, um, Belinda and Steve, who are very invested in my spiritual growth. Um, they brought me to Bible Study Fellowship. If you've never been BSF, it's great. Uh, every week, we went to church um, as much as we could. Um, and I was blessed to attend a Christian school in Baton Rouge as well. Um, you know, accepting Christ at a young age uh, is, is great, but also very difficult because you kind of set a really high bar at a young age. And uh, we're not perfect. So, um, you know, I struggled in and out of, of being a, you know, a good Christian and being, being good. Uh, and, and luckily enough, my parents were so supportive, loving. I know they prayed for me consistently. Uh, I know they prayed for my future wife as well. Um, my youth pastor, Robert Terrell, was very influential in my spiritual growth through his sermons and his focus on serving others. Um, went to World Changers every year um, at, at, as a middle schooler and a high schooler. And especially in ninth grade, I saw the need that so many people had um, for help and service. You know, we, we grew up, we were very lucky. We had what we wanted. And uh, being around people that didn't have what they wanted, being around people with broken faucets, um, you know, a roof that doesn't work. Whatever it may be, it, means, it may seem so trivial, but uh, to me, as a young high schooler, it, it was mind-blowing. And um, I really saw the need that so many people had, and I wanted to do more. Thanks to nudging and help from my parents, I was able to attend multiple mission trips, more World Changers events, and helping to serve others. And uh, that ended up with me in my freshman year of college working at Sky Ranch, uh, which is a Christian camp in Texas. And, uh, you know, God had a plan because that's where I met Emily, the woman who turned out to be the love of my life. We went to LSU together, but we probably would never see each other except at the BCM. And it took us going to Texas to meet each other. Uh, we've, been, uh, we've been married for 10 years in July. She's been a constant reminder of God's love and kindness ever since we met. Uh, Emily's a marriage and family therapist in Monroe, and I teach and coach at Washita. Uh, we have two kids. Henry is six. Hadley is uh, just turned two this past week. Um, Emily's been a constant uh, reminder of how to serve, and um, to be able to be in a position to also serve is um, such a blessing. Uh, in 2019, I was lucky enough to attend men's retreat with a great group of guys who helped re-energize my walk with, and spiritual walk with Christ. I learned a lot about myself that weekend, about God, how to walk close with him and be a leader of my family. I'm definitely not perfect, but having a group of guys who will back you and hold you accountable is so huge. And that's what's so great about this church. If you have not been to a men's retreat, men or women's retreat, women, I just highly encourage you to go. Um, God works through retreats. God works through everything. Um, but some about those retreats, um, man, they'll get you. God works. Um, by the way, uh, our life group also meets in room 107, so if you uh, don't have a life group, you need to come meet in 107. It's great. Uh, the Dyes and Hinton do an awesome job, so plug for them. Um, but I, really, I just want to leave you this verse um, from Joshua. If you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or would it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Thanks for your time. I'm really looking forward to serve the church any way possible as a deacon. Thanks. How are y'all? Man, I am humbled and uh, shocked, honestly, to be up here. Uh, but look, I'm going to attempt to uh, spend the next few minutes telling you about Jesus and that he is exactly who he claims to be and that he has everything to do with why I'm here before you today. So look, my name's Johnny Phillips. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Katie. Katie, and we have uh, three amazing daughters, Juliana, Eva Kate, and Gabriella. And uh, look, just a little bit about my background. I was raised, you've heard a lot of guys up here, I was raised in church, uh, exposed to the love and light of Christ at a young age, no doubt. But man, I call it the uh, best way I know to say it is the chair of faith. I believed that Jesus was who he said he was, but I did not believe in, I didn't trust him fully with my life. Like, you look at a chair, man, you say, yeah, it's absolutely a chair, and you stand beside the chair. But until we transfer that trust and sit in that chair, we're not home yet. That's clearly what his word lays out to us, man. He's calling a radical call, a radical surrender to him, and to count on his work and nothing that we can do to earn it. See, that's why I wore this shirt and not my fancy clothes I usually wear. Uh, 
paid in full. See, if, if it's paid in full and he's done it, see, I thought my good behavior and going to church would, and being better than the dudes I ran with, I was like, man, surely I'm good in God's eyes. But man, there's, if there's anything that we could do to get back into God's presence, what in the world did Jesus come and die a horrific death for? And I, and I just, unfortunately, it took some life events to kind of get me to seek and uncover that. So look, uh, as I grew older, life was pretty good, man. No major hiccups, no major problems. Um, I was absolutely 100 miles an hour after the American dream, right? That's what they tell you. Go to school, get a good education, work hard, and make as much money as you can. And when you do those things, then your joy and your comfort and your peace, that's, that's when you'll find it in this, in this America. And that's when you'll be free. And that's when you'll be powerful. So, man, I was all about it, man. And it rocked on pretty good until about my late 20s. Uh, things kind of started to honestly unravel for the first time in my life. Things just got weird, man. My business started falling apart. My first marriage was in crumbles. And honestly, for the first time, I was at the end of myself. See, I'm a fixer. I'm a doer, right? I couldn't fix this situation I was in. And I had run out of myself for the first time. And it was humbling. And uh, I cried out to him. I cried out to him to help me, to save me, to, I don't know, fix this. You know, see, I heard growing up, and a lot of us here growing up, uh, if you grew up in church, you hear things like, seek him, seek him and you'll find him. Things like seek the kingdom of God above all else and all these things to be given to you. But, man, I honestly I had no idea what that meant. I was like, what am I seeking and how am I going to know when I find it? And I, I just remember, and I finally just looking back, you seek by crying out to him. That was the start of my seeking. And, uh, and look, so I'm single and divorced not now. At this time, after I cried out to him, single and divorced now. And, uh, dude, I just spent a lot of time alone with my dog. And I had a lot of time to think and seek and pray. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I wanted Jesus. And I had no idea how to do it because I didn't want to be around other people and other believers because I was embarrassed. I was prideful. And, uh, and the war was on, man. When you come to Christ, see, I was still trying to go back and fix the things. Like when the pain and the fear and the restlessness would, uh, of the future would come up, man, I'd want to go out and fix it like we always do. Uh, Jesus wouldn't let me this time, man. And I felt like I was going crazy. And I know for a fact now, he was just preparing my heart. Because shortly after this, I met my wife, Katie. And I honestly didn't think I'd be getting married anytime soon after that horrific experience. And, uh, and, and, and we get married. <clears throat> and things are good again, right? I've got a beautiful wife. Business is back booming. Uh, I've got beautiful kids. And uh, I was propped up again in my achievements, man. I was chasing that American dream for my power and security and comfort and joy. And uh, man, just blinded looking back. And uh, took everything for granted that God had given me, my wife and family. And I was supposed to be happy, right? The world says you should be happy when all that comes about. But uh, thank the Lord for 2017, the first men's retreat rolled around. And uh, I went. And look, the only thing I know to tell you is I spent three days with Jesus there. And here's how he works, man. He works through you and I. And I saw the love of Christ through men. I saw dudes telling each other they loved them. And I saw dudes just, dudes, dudes, like men, like prideful men that I knew, boldly proclaiming Christ as king, man. And it was crazy. And see, going into that, I knew I, knew I needed to surrender to Jesus fully. But see, I was worried about what the world would think, what people would think. What if I lose my business? What, see, I kind of need to be tough and a jerk sometimes to get my way. I'm in construction. So to push my agenda, I kind of need to be a little bossy. And, uh, man, I was just kind of holding on to everything that I may lose if I fully surrendered to him. And uh, that weekend, man, I knew I needed to jump in. I needed to sit down in that chair. And, uh, and I did. And, but, and he just started showing me, man, his kingdom is, is not of this world. It's an upside-down kingdom, man. And uh, his kingdom goes a little something like this, man. It, it's, it's the opposite of what we see around us where... It's uh, dying to ourselves is where we'll find life. And uh, surrendering to him is where we'll, where we'll win. And uh, for a prideful man, that, that was tough for me to do. So, look, Katie goes on a retreat shortly after I did. And we're both on fire together, man. We're, we joined this church, joined a life group. We jumped into Bible study. Uh, and the word just starts coming alive to us. And uh, 
man, I'm, I'm hitting Katie. I'm like, man, this Bible, where's it been our whole life? Man, it's starting to make sense. And, uh, man, he just, he just revealed himself, and he's starting to give us the desires of his heart, which is just to love him and love others and to go tell everybody about this good news, man. And he's just he's changing everything about our thoughts, and we're doing it together, man. And the big thing I want to say, I know I'm out of time. i got to wrap it up. But, like, man, the biggest thing he's done is to compel us to go share this love of light because here's the deal, man. It has nothing to do with this life. Nothing in this world is going to truly and finally satisfy us. Like nothing. The American dream, making a ton of money, being a good dad, nothing will satisfy us until we truly sit down in that chair with Jesus. And, man, James tells us our life here is a mist and a vapor. And he tells us to put our eyes on him, man, where there will be no pain, no tears, no sorrow, no death, no need for anything but him. And that's what keeps us going. That's what keeps us fired up. So I'm way over my time, I'm sure. But uh, thanks for listening to me, and I look forward to serving you all as a deacon. Good morning, all. So my wife doesn't know I'm going to do this. I don't have uh, Facebook, but uh, yesterday we celebrated 11 years of marriage. Thank you. I love you. Thank you for saying yes those 11 years ago. And um, I'm truly blessed more because of you. All right. My name is Jake Stevens. And you have seen me up here singing with the team or walking around the campus aimlessly looking for my children. I grew up in a family that had, had and continue to have Christ at the center of its world. I was not only raised in the church, but raised in Christ. Both my grandfather, who has since passed, and my dad have served and continue to serve the church. My mother is a servant to the church. My father-in-law is a servant to the church. My mother-in-law a servant to the church. I have been surrounded by incredible servants, and I pray that my children and grandchildren have the same respect for me as I have for mine. I am blessed to be able to say that I am a child of the Most High God, and it is because of the direction my family is pointing me towards. I accepted Jesus at the age of 14, and I followed him and did what he and really my parents expected of me all throughout my years of growing up. By the age of 30, I was married to Anna, I have two kids, Shepard, he is uh, eight, will be nine in September. Adeline, she is uh, just turned seven in May. And uh, <clears throat> by the age of 30, I started to question my own faith. Was it true that God created all of this? Did Jesus really come down as a man, die on a cross, and raised to life in three days. That is when I decided I had to study it for myself. Needless to say, I fell in love with the, with the scriptures. That is when my faith became my own and not my family's. And that is when I fell in love with the Almighty. He's pretty awesome. <clears throat> I am honored and thank... <clears throat> Look, if y'all, if y'all haven't... This is off the cuff. If y'all haven't accepted Christ and truly recognized just how great he is, um, Corey, going back to the retreats, he says, if I don't know what to say, I'll just say I was blind and now I see. And that is absolutely profound because that's what it is. <clears throat> I'm, honored, I'm honored and I thank you that you have, the, uh, you have placed me in the position to serve in the capacity of a deacon and I wholeheartedly accept it. In the upcoming weeks, Bill will be preaching on servanthood. I ask myself the questions, is my service to the church showing my faith in Christ? Am I willing to step out of comfort to get uncomfortable for those who need to see Jesus? Is the way I live my life through work, through play, through my family, is it displaying the hope that I have in Christ? It is written, uh, excuse me, it is fitting to have uh, a deacon ordination before we begin this series because Strong's definition of deacon is one who executes the commands of another, especially of a master, is a servant, an attendant, a minister. Also, this is cool, a servant to the king. I want my life to display my service to our king. I feel it necessary to bring up what Jesus did at the Last Supper. In John's gospel account, 
He speaks about Jesus wrapping a towel around his waist, washing the feet of his disciples. The creator of the cosmos is washing feet. And remember, the feet are considered unclean, specifically in Eastern culture. Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these, you will be blessed if you do them. I pray that the Lord will continue to use me for the service of the church. I pray that he continues to use you for the service of the church. I pray that we as a church family extend our reach to those who don't know Christ, the blind who are looking to be able to see. And what better way is there for someone to see Christ than to seeing him through us, the church? That is my prayer, that I, along with you, display Christ to those who are seeking him. I love you. Thank you for the love you continue to show me and my family. And I leave you with this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless. It may surprise you to know that the office of deacon was created out of a, the first church fight. They had a big church fight, even in the early church. And uh, rather than getting down and dirty and picking sides, the apostles said, look, we need somebody to take care of this. And so in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. And deacons have to be qualified. Uh, we have a process to do that here at North Monroe where we ask for you to recommend the deacons and then through that recommendation process, a deacon selection team is put together comprised of me as the pastor, the chairman of the deacons who was Mike Smith this year, and then the lead on it was Joey Young. Two other members serve, Randy Smith and Don Dozier, and we interviewed each one of these guys looking at those very things, men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom. And one of the things, I think it was Joey that said that, over, or maybe it was Mike, over the last few years, it's been interesting to see how the quality of spiritual commitment has just gone up and up every year as we interview these young men for the ministry of deacon. Um, and we saw that, and we're so grateful to be able to serve in the company of men who truly love Jesus. But they said let, that we may appoint over or set or make in char put in charge of this task. And from that, the idea of ordination comes in. And so what we do with ordination is we take these men who've been set apart by the Holy Spirit and we lay hands on them and we ordain them. When a deacon is ordained, he's ordained for life. Now at North Monroe, you serve for three years on and then you rotate off for a year and then are re-recommended to come back on so it's a rotating body. But once a deacon, you're always a deacon for life. And so this becomes a very holy thing, a sacred thing. And these are men that not only serve, but they're men who are to be respected and to be honored because God is using them to serve this body. And so we're going to ask all of these uh, six candidates to come up and their wives are going to stand beh behind them. You know, somebody said, wherever there's a great man, there's a strong woman pushing, right? And uh, there's certainly a strong woman standing behind him. And these are godly women too. So guys, if you would come up and let's sit. If you'll look at the Bible, the name's written on the Bible so you'll know what chair. And... Uh, you know, it's just so interesting to see how God is at work in their lives. And uh, we give each of them a, a Bible, a study Bible, and uh, a certificate of ordination. And so let me say this. Uh, we're going to have one 
service of laying on of hands. We used to like individually lay hands. It, it just takes too long and uh, we're not able to do that. We may do that later among the deacons. But if you are ordained, this is for the ordaining council. If you are ordained, whether you're ordained as a pastor or ordained as a, as a deacon, we'd like to invite you right now to come forward and let's lay hands on these guys and let's form a, a group and then I'm going to pray over them. Father, I'm really so humbled to know that uh, we're serving with men like this. And that line from Band of Brothers is so clear. Were you a hero in the war, Granddad? No, I wasn't a hero, but I served in the company of heroes. And these are heroes. These are men who will get up on a Saturday morning and go serve a widow. They're men who will get up in the middle of the night and go and pray with someone. They're men who will give whatever it takes to make sure that the needs of the body are met. But they're also men who will do the hard things and seek your face together with their pastoral leadership to try to discover what your will is for this church and for this kingdom. Because, Father, it's really about your kingdom. And so we lift up these men to you, Father. We lift up Dusty and Aaron, his wife. We lift up Dylan and Mary Beth, John and Megan, Sam and Emily, Johnny and Katie, Jake and Anna. That you would use them in a profound and powerful way to build your kingdom. Father, we know that there's going to be spiritual warfare because anytime we step out of the boat, there's going to be spiritual warfare. And we're going to be confronted with our own fears and we're going to be confronted with opposition that we can't even imagine. And so many times the enemy will come at them and I just pray that you would protect them from that. But Father, in those times where you choose not to protect, that you would empower them, that they could overcome the enemy by the power of your might. And we pray that together we would bring down the strong man and we would bring down these strongholds in people's lives and that Jesus would be glorified and Jesus would be Lord and all these people God that are riding these wagons let's get plowed wagon or whatever wagon they're on when they fall off that wagon God that these men would be there to pick them up help them repair their broken world let the Holy Spirit and the grace and power of Jesus Christ be felt in that situation to the glory of Jesus and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.